this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Jack Paxton about scaling customer acquisition by using Facebook ads. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 28. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the podcast that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pulaski. I'm here today with Jack Paxton. Jack is a media buyer and customer acquisition specialist. He focuses on scaling customer acquisition by increasing Facebook ad budgets. I want to talk with him a bit today about scaling up Facebook advertising campaigns to grow your e-commerce business. So, hey, Jack, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Charles? Doing good. So, did that intro kind of explain about what you do? Yeah, I think it's pretty accurate. Um, You know, a bit of my background is uh, coming up through digital marketing agencies for a few years, then moving into consulting and freelancing, and then obviously moving on to building my own product. all, all around paid media and, uh, you know, scaling through Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, AdWords, and uh, those sort of fun channels. Excellent. Yeah, I feel like that's the new um, the new hot thing on scaling ads and that sort of thing. You know, a few years ago, it was all about AdWords. Now everything's moving to social. So, it, uh... yeah, well, it's, uh, I think it's also a bit easier to, to manage for a lot of people. So, you know, AdWords is a lot more uh, complicated for someone getting started, whereas social is a bit more approachable for the for the general person to get started. Um, so it definitely gets a lot more sort of early early users. But then I think a lot of people drop off when they find that they can't uh, quite get it to make it work. And uh, you know, it it is getting harder and harder. I remember six years ago, <laughs> back when Facebook started, uh, you could put almost anything on there and you'd turn a, a, a positive ROI within a few hours. Yeah, it definitely. Uh, I've heard recently the the newsfeed has recently sold out. Um, you know, end of two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen, where before they were looking for new advertisers. Now it's a you know a battle for you know who's gonna who's gonna be shown in the newsfeed. So it's one of those things that they're trying to grow Instagram and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely come down to quality. Yeah. So as far as that, basically, and starting today, and people that are kind of you know have been doing a bit but want to kind of grow, what do you kind of recommend as you know, some things either just getting started or people that have done it with some success, but haven't really uh, grown their, you know, ad budget and that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, uh, I can split this into two parts here. So uh, first off, we'll go with the beginners and the more advanced people, but for beginners, um, you know, the biggest tips in terms of setting up your account correctly and then scaling it in the future is one naming convention is huge. So one thing that a lot of people don't sort of get uh, the first time round is organization and naming convention uh, because overlap in your audiences, campaigns, target audience, and that sort of stuff is a huge issue within accounts. And so if you don't have the correct naming conventions, you don't exactly know what you're running and where, and that can lead to a lot of overlap or it can lead to you uh, retesting audiences you've already tested. So number one takeaway is definitely uh, naming convention. Uh, you definitely need to have a system that you follow throughout your entire sort of account. And uh, the earlier you can implement that, the easier it will be to bring in other people to your account or scale up your account at a later date. Do you have um, any kind of tips on, because I feel like when you get in started, you see campaigns, ad groups, ads, um, and mm-hmm. Facebook gives you some, you know, some really basic like default text. And a lot of people, it's literally like, ad group one, ad group two, when they do some like really basic things, do you have kind of like a, you know, some sort of system you use just kind of 
basic, what would you name a campaign the first time? What would you name like an ad group? What would you base that off of? Yeah, so you kind of want to structure your, uh, so this kind of leads into the second tip, but this is how you sort of want to structure your campaign or your ad account. So you essentially have uh, three sort of buckets. You have your first bucket, which is remarketing. And so remarketing involves website remarketing, engagement remarketing. Engagement remarketing is, uh, you know, people who watch a video, go to your Facebook page, go to your Instagram page, whatever it may be. And then you have email remarketing. So that's people who might, uh, you know, receive an email, but not open. It's people who didn't quite make it to your website, but are on your email list. So that's your remarketing bucket. The next bucket is your lookalike bucket. So lookalike audiences are based off uh, audiences you upload or generate from your pixel. And so you want to have that as a prospecting campaign. You don't want to have any overlap with your prospecting and your remarketing. You want to keep those two separate because they're most likely going to have different messaging. And then your third bucket is your interest targeting. So this is a little bit more granular and the ad messaging is a little bit more specific to the interests that you're targeting. Now, in terms of what you want to name those things, so all of your remarketing campaigns should have remarketing in the title, lookalike should have lookalike, and then interest should have interest. So for example, if you were going to create a campaign, you would have, uh, I would do like remarketing backslash website backslash uh, DPA, dynamic product ads. So that way you can keep that uh, campaign level all within that sort of uh, ad type and that audience. And then the next remarketing would be remarketing backslash website backslash page views. And the next one would be uh, remarketing backslash email. And then the next one remarketing backslash uh, engagement. Okay. So they so would be all in, of the can, names. They can see right down the line what these campaigns are doing and at a campaign level, um, at the highest level, you can basically see what what's happening. Yeah, and then when you go into those into that next level, you then want to get more granular with whether you're doing, you know, remarketing based on people who got to cart but don't purchase or people who got to the homepage and didn't purchase, uh, that sort of thing. Um, Facebook is moving. This is more Facebook specific, but Facebook is moving towards wanting to bundle your audiences a little bit more as opposed to, you know, a year or two ago, they really wanted you to get more granular so that you could get more specific with your targeting and your ad messaging. But now they've sort of done a, you know, 180 backflip on that and they want you to kind of try and bundle your audiences a little bit. So where we used to split out on the ad set level for say remarketing website, we used to split out Instagram, Facebook, right-hand column and then also split it out into gender. Now they're wanting you to just put everything into one camp ad set and let Facebook optimize to that. I still recommend splitting male and female because the ad messaging is gonna be completely different if you do have those two genres. So you're not gonna serve uh, you know, female bathing suits to males or vice versa. So you still kind of wanna separate by gender, but no longer do you really have to separate by ad, uh, ad placement. Uh, okay, yeah. I I remember that a few years ago where you had to be very granular on that level. And then it looks like you're right. Facebook kind of wants you to be less. Um, they've made it where you're kind of just checking everything and saying, do your own thing and let Facebook optimize for you. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, they've got this this thing called the learning stage now, <laughs> yes. which didn't necessarily exist a little while back. Uh, but this is the period of time that Facebook is kind of figuring out based on your pixel feedback. Uh, which ads are working and which people are best suited for those ads. 
Um, so it's not as much you telling, hey, Facebook, serve these ads to these people only. It's more like, hey, Facebook, here's an audience. Find the best people in this audience to serve my ads to. Um, Which level so, is it actually work? Is that le- we're running on the campaign level, the ad set level? Like, where is that actually happening? Um, that kind of uh, phase on the ad set level. Okay. Yeah. So the ad set level is all your budget targeting and um, any restrictions that you placed on audiences. So you might want to exclude, for example, all your purchases from your prospecting because you never really want to overlap those. Also, you're going to exclude your website uh, visitors from all your prospecting because you want to know that that audience is just prospecting. Um, So you control all your targeting and budgeting um, on the ad set level, and that's the learning phase uh, for Facebook. So it's kind of like they're finding the right person in your target that you've chosen. Do you have a sense of how long that learning phase actually um, goes on for? Because I had different opinions on this. On Some people say it's <laughs> yeah. X number of clicks or X number of whatever. Everyone has this like number. Um, and I feel like it, no one knows exactly. It's like this like magic, you know, the secret recipe. Um, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, so Facebook does it based on conversions. So they suggest that you have 50 conversions before it's fully optimized. And they also recommend that it's uh, 10 conversions a day minimum. So there's a few things you can do here. Uh, One, you can ignore Facebook and just (laughs) let it run out uh, for longer, (laughs) which if you know the audience converts can sometimes work. So if you're doing remarketing or something and you have a really small amount of traffic, um, don't worry about the learning stage because that's such a warm audience that you don't necessarily have to listen to Facebook's learning stage um, to know that those people are going to convert. Um, because they're already the warmest audience that you're going to get. Um, but if you're doing prospecting or something, you probably want to aim for 10 conversions a day, if possible. If you're not getting 10 purchases a day, move the conversion goal back to maybe like 10 add to carts um, so that you can more easily achieve that uh, 10, 10 conversions a day uh, or 50 a week. Um, so if you're not hitting the 10 a day, try and hit at least 50 a week. But for that learning period, that's the that's the number of conversions, but in terms of days, you're usually looking at like two to three days. Um, I usually find is the general period of time before something uh, finishes its learning stage. The other thing is, anytime you make an edit to your ad set or ads, uh, that's going to push that ad set back into that learning stage as well. Oh, really? Because um, it, it, uh, I've noticed literally, there was, I did something the other day with like a typo. I mean, it was like like a apostrophe, something small, and it pushed it back all of a sudden into in review, I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it, it was a very small change. Um, so does that completely reset that whole phase or how does that work? Yeah, so that will reset that whole phase. Now, there's a if you're going to make any like larger changes, you should just literally duplicate the campaign or ad set and start again with your new adjustments. So say you're changing the age, gender, and interests. You just want to duplicate that, start again with your more targeted um settings because that learning stage takes in all of the information from the very start of the campaign. So if you start the campaign at an already optimized level, then you're just going to get better results from that. So usually as you kind of optimize and you find, you know, this placement works, this one doesn't, this age group works, this one doesn't, that sort of stuff, you then recreate or duplicate that ad set or campaign and then start it from the start with those new optimizations in place because that's going to get you better results. But if you're just making a text change, it's, yeah, it's really unfortunate, um, but there's not a huge amount you can do uh, for avoiding that learning stage, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, so then each time 
you know, if you're basically making a small change, make it in place, but a large change, then you're duplicating it, pause the original campaign, and you have that kind of as a, you know, history, you kind of keep that, but then you're starting fresh on the, on the new version, right? Yeah. Anytime you, anytime you make any bigger edits, you kind of want to start a new ad set or campaign so that you have that data separated out. So you, you can tell if the prior settings are working better or the new settings are working better. Um, I see a lot of people getting into trouble when they keep changing the settings on their ad sets without starting a new one. And they don't really know what settings were actually performing really well after a while because they keep changing stuff and you kind of get uh, cloudy, cloudy data. You can't tell what actually worked and what didn't. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things where you think you're gonna remember and you say, oh, I'll just change this one setting. And then you change that. And then, you know, a week later you change some other one setting. And then somehow like a month down the line, it's doesn't, it doesn't even like resemble the original campaign. You just kind of like made this like Frankenstein. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a good one. And I feel like a lot of, that's like a yeah. rookie mistake, so. Yeah, well, lo looping back into the naming convention, uh, when you duplicate that, that's when you wanna add in what you're changing. So you might wanna add in the age range or you might wanna add in the gender or the placement. Um, and usually I also put a V1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. So I can keep track of what version I'm up to of that campaign or that ad set. Um, so you can kind of look back and you can compare all of your versions to see which version did the best, for example. Gotcha. Okay. So then you're able to sit there, you know, filter on the name, filter on kind of the top level and see, hey, you know, the conversion for each one here they were, were let's, you know, maybe V3 was the best out of the six versions. Let's roll back to that and, you know, mm. copy that start from there and use that as our baseline going forward yeah or when you're creating new campaigns you can take in the all that information that you've learned from that those campaigns and apply it from the very start in your new campaign so that you're not spending as much money learning what works and what doesn't um because yeah it all it's kind of like about collecting the data and then making sure that uh when you create new stuff it's already going to convert you don't want to have to go through that full test again every time because that does cost you money every time you go through that learning stage so for example right let's say you find some certain um interest targeting that works very well for some reason it you know converts great you want to roll out a new ad some new you know top level asset you're then able to use that same stuff you learned at the you know original campaign on campaign number two show some new ads target some new pages um but with all that original with all that stuff you've learned originally right yeah, so stuff you might learn is it's a certain age range that uh, converts really well in that audience. It's a certain gender or it's a certain placement. Those are the three biggest things that you're probably going to optimize to using that breakdown feature within Facebook. Um, and so you can narrow in on higher converting audiences. Like you might find that younger people click a lot and they have a great click-through rate, but then the return on ad spend, the ROAS, is not great for anybody under 25. So you might say, for example, in your next campaign, only target 25 to 55, um, because you know that's your best ROAS uh, segment within that audience. Got it, okay. So once you have that set up, so you have your campaigns, you have your naming, um, what do you do down at the actual ad level? Is that something you're running multiple per ad set or is it you know, split out one by one or what do you kind of recommend there? Yeah, so you want to have like uh, probably between like probably three and six ads per ad set so that Facebook gets a choice of a few different ones to choose from. And 
The biggest tip for the ad level is to use a feature called post IDs. So instead of starting from scratch every single time, uh, what you can do is you can actually pull in a prior post or already existing post using the post ID. Really? So okay. this is this is a way, good one actually. Yeah. So the reason that you'd want to do this is you have all of your social validation or your comments, shares, and likes already on the post. So instead of having five different ads across five different ad sets, you've got one ad across five different ad sets. So that means that all of your media spend is focusing on one ad and making it more and more powerful, I suppose, in the relevancy score. Yeah, I've definitely seen that where, you know, you start building up one ad, um, you get a lot of likes, some co a few comments, that sort of thing. And as soon as you duplicate that ad set, you're basically starting fresh. Um, and it definitely helps having those likes and, you know, people saying, wow, and things like that on the ad. Um, yeah. It just makes it, it makes it look better. Like you're actually, you have something yeah. going on. Um, yeah, and the, the tip for this one is to include the post ID in the ad name. So the reason that you want to do that is that whenever you want to search for a particular post and find out all the campaigns it's running in or all the ad sets it's running in, you can search within the, uh, the Facebook dashboard for that post ID, and it's going to show you where all those ads are. And so you want to make sure that all of those ads that have that post ID in the name, that's the post ID they're using in the actual ad so that you know that that's all, they're all the same ad pretty much. So when you say the post ID, the actual ID in the URL bar, put that yeah, in the name so, of the ad itself. Yeah, so the way that you get that is when you view your ad on uh, in the newsfeed, it's gonna give you a URL and on the end of that URL, there's about 16 let, uh, numbers on that URL and that's your post ID. And so when you go to create new ads, you then choose, instead of create an ad, there's a little option it's like just to the right ah, that okay. says use an existing post. You click on that and then it will have an option to uh, choose an ad using a post ID. And then you just copy and paste your ID in there. And that will pull in your already existing ad and you will be able to start from, you know, uh, an ad that's already got a bunch of social validation on it. And another great thing about putting those ad IDs in the actual uh, ad name is that if you want to ever look at the performance of your ad across your entire account to see if it's actually a good ad in comparison to the rest of your ads, if you search that post ID, you can uh, look at the stats across your entire account uh, uh, in comparison to your account average. So you, essentially you want to be getting rid of all the ads that are under your account average and making more ads that are above your ad, uh, ad account average. So that, that way you're constantly improving your ads and uh, by using that strategy of including the post ID in your ad name, you can actually get, you can actually see that information quite easily. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, searching for the post IDs that you have that you have running. So when you say you'd have the same post of multiple campaigns, would you be splitting these across like the interest targeting groups, the remarketing groups, but it'd be the exact same posts, that sort of thing? Yeah, it depends what the post includes. But if it's general enough to go over, say, for example, lookalikes and remarketing, yep. then you could run it in both. Um, usually I'll do this breakdown for all my lookalikes, for example. I'll be running an ad, uh, the same ad across all my lookalikes, one, one to 10% pretty much. And then I'll be looking across all of those ad sets. Uh, the ad sets are broken down into 1%, 2%, 3%, etc. I'll be looking at the performance of my ad across all of those ad sets 
and uh, in those lookalikes, and then I can determine which ads are actually good or which ones are bad, um, because you get rid of that, you know, that biasy as to hey, it's just that audience is performing well, because you're looking at that ad across all of the lookalikes, so it's a more holistic view of the performance of that ad. Yeah, that's a that's a good one actually. I've definitely uh, I've not not seen that explained that well actually. So it um, ha- and having that social proof definitely um, I've seen from personal experience has boost boosted the uh, performance of the ads so yeah yeah and if you find that um, you know you're doing interest targeting and you find an ad that is doing really really well you can take that ad using the post ID and drop it into your remarketing for example um, or drop it into your lookalikes for example it's a much easier way to like run tests and then use the successful ads from those tests again Um, so yeah that's a much better way of doing it than recreating the ad uh, once you've found that it works. Well, and then you can probably build that social proof with the, the cheaper per click audiences and then leverage that on kind of the more expensive lookalike, but higher performing audiences. Yeah. Well, if you have a higher budget and you've got like a test budget, um, you can use this across different ad campaigns as well. So for example, you might, your first campaign type might be engagement. So you're just building likes, comments, and shares on, on a post, and then you switch flip that and you take that ad and put it in a conversion campaign and then you start optimizing that to conversion. So that's a way that you can actually build up your social validation, get a really high relevancy score and then drop it into a conversion campaign. Um, so that way you can like move around ads quite easily in your account without having to start from ground zero again. I like that. That's definitely a good mm-hmm. one. So actually you mentioned budget. That's kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a, a good time to jump into that, but how do you feel about how to allocate budget to these different, you know, remarketing campaigns versus interest targeting versus, you know, um, the retargeting campaigns. Like, where would you kind of percentage-wise start, you know, start allocating budget and where would you start ramping up budget as you go? Yeah, so essentially you want to make sure that you have your purchase pixel on your website recording the purchase value. Because the reason uh, that you want to do that is so that you can use the measurement of ROAS, return on ad spend. And this is going to let you really see uh, very specifically which ads are making money and which ads are losing money. Um, And so if you're in Shopify or something, it's quite easy. You just chuck your, uh, your pixel ID in the settings. And if you're using WordPress or Magento, they're just plugins you can download. Uh, I highly suggest using the plugins as opposed to trying to figure it out yourself and hard code it. Um, always, it's just easier going with the plugins and they already have all those dynamic variables in place. So essentially with budget, you're going to want to optimize and spend more where your ROAS is higher. So a ROAS of one means that you spent $10 and you made $10. It doesn't include your cost of goods or any of that sort of thing. So generally an e-commerce store is going to want to aim for a ROAS of like 1.5 plus just to like factor in cogs, shipping, you know, wages, all that sort of stuff. Like you don't really start making money until you're at like maybe a 1.5. Obviously it depends on the product. But if you see that you've got any prospecting that is, you know, above that 1.5, you want to start increasing your budgets there. Now there's two ways that you can do this. Uh, first way is to do the gradual safe way, which is 20% a week. And you just slowly increase that over time. The more aggressive way is to take that same ad, same ad set or campaign, duplicate it and 10X the budget. Um, 
So that way you're just going from like zero to a hundred straight away. And you want to make sure that you have a few conversions first before doing this. You didn't just get lucky. So usually we don't want to let an ad run for maybe like three or four days. You've got, you know, maybe 10, 10 plus conversions and you're like, okay, this is a great ad for this ad set. Let's scale it. So then, yeah, you duplicate and then 10 X the budget on that one. Now, in terms of allocation between remarketing and prospecting, um, it's the remarketing is going to highly depend on your audience size. So how much traffic you're getting to your website. But the way that you manage that is through the frequency. So you can see in the Facebook dashboard your frequency of your ads to that audience. So you kind of want to keep your frequency maybe like I usually try and keep my frequency between a, a two and a four um, for remarketing over a 14-day period. And then you want to keep it sort of like if you're using prospecting and you're getting some conversions, you can go over a two to three frequency. But if you're at a two frequency and you're not seeing results, uh, you might as well shut that off because the problem with that is that everybody's already seen your ad once or twice and nobody's taking action. So your one, your relevancy score is going to be dropping and Facebook's going to be charging you more to serve that ad. And two, you might as well test something else at that point because you're going to find other interests or other ads that are going to convert well before uh, you get to a two frequency. And for interests, uh, these don't refresh these audiences. So you want to look at the lifetime frequency. Okay. Whereas, so when you say frequency, I yeah. want to make sure we go, we go slow and don't miss these points. That's how many times a person, an uh, individual is seeing that ad. And when you said, look at it over a 14 day period, I would basically say, you know, you want to see if someone sees that ad between two to four times on a 14 day period. So that's, you know, spread out the, the date range to 14 days, look at the frequency. And if it's over that many times, it's getting bad. And if it's under also not good, right? Well, if it's going over for remarketing, you're going to want to lower your budget a little bit. If it's under, you're going to want to increase your budget. Okay. So if it's over, so, if it's over, so basically you don't want to show the same ad, you know, 10 times to the same person over a two week period. Um, yeah. Right. And, what's, yeah, and because, what's the rationale behind that? Okay. So the reason that you don't want to do that is because now Facebook takes a negative uh, feedback into consideration when they rank the relevancy score of your ad. Now, the relevancy score didn't used to really be a very big thing on Facebook, but more recently, as they've obviously run out of ad space, they're now going for quality over quantity. So that negative feedback is when people scroll past your ad and don't engage, people hide your post, um, or people block your page. So those are kind of like the main ones. So if they're, and if they're seeing the same ad 10 times over two weeks, they're going to start to, you know, get a little burnt out and that basically means they're not interested and you're kind of just like batting them all the head, trying to show it to them, but they're really not that interested. So you want to kind of, would you back down on the budget at that point or what would you kind of do to pull back that kind of? Yeah. So, so once you get over like a four or five, uh, you're going to want to decrease that budget a little bit because if they're just scrolling past and not engaging, Facebook's going to be like, okay, that's a bad ad. Um, so you want to keep people seeing it so that they're engaging. So you don't want to see, like show them too many times that they get bored of it, but you want to show it enough so that they see it multiple times and they're like, oh, actually I missed that the first time. Yep. Um, 
So it, it ranges on the product and the, the account, but I usually find my sweet spot is between usually three to like probably like three to five for remarketing and then prospecting, as I was saying, you know, before a two um, is fine for testing. If you're not converting over a two frequency, you want to think about maybe like stopping that uh, interest target and starting a new fresh one and testing something else. Um, but usually with re, with prospecting, you want to stay between like a one and a two point five um, as long as it's converting. Okay, and anything below that, that either means your your budget's too small or your audience size is too large. So you're basically not showing it to them enough. At at that point, there might be people never seeing the ad. There might be people seeing the ad just once, that sort of thing. So that means mm. you want to. Would you say drop down the audience or increase the budget or both or either? Uh, so that'll depend on performance. If you're seeing good performance. Um, definitely increase the budget. Yep. <laughs> uh, if you're not seeing good performance, decrease the size of, uh, sorry, if you're not seeing performance, then yeah, decrease the size of the audience. Um, unfortunately, Facebook doesn't show you the size of the audiences anymore. They just give you potential daily reach. Um, okay. So so that is a little bit harder now than it used to be. Um, but you can, when you are selecting your interests in Facebook on the ad set level and you hover over the interest, it will tell you the size of the audience. So you can kind of make a rough estimate about like how big that audience audience is going to be. You don't you want to kind of for interest targeting you want to target people in the five hundred thousand to one one to one yeah five hundred thousand to one point five million range. Anything over that it gets a little bit too broad. Um, anything under that, um, if you have really targeted ads, it's okay. But you do need to remember that that audience is going to burn out quicker. Anything so anything under five hundred thousand, it starts so basically you can't you show it to them only a few times and it's kind of it's over at that point and you need to basically keep coming up with new ads to you know stop the burnout. Yeah, but if you have a really high price product, for example, and you know that that audience has uh, got a really high probability of converting, then you know definitely go under five hundred thousand and as long as that ROAS is there you know, keep running that um, because that golden metric is your your return on ad spend. So even if you have a super high frequency or whatever, the ROAS is still right. If you're getting the right ROAS and your ad relevancy is okay, it's above a seven, you know, just keep running that. Okay. So yeah. the golden metric is the ROAS. Got it. Okay. And that's why you have to basically have the price of your product in there as well. So you have an idea of, you know, if you're selling you know, jet skis versus t-shirts sort of thing. It's going to be a very different metric on how many times you show them and how much you can actually afford to show this ad to them. Exactly. And that's a good reason that you bring up as well, because a lot of people try and base ad performance on cost per acquisition, CPA. And so if you're selling a t-shirt or you're selling a jet ski, that CPA is going to look the same because yep. you're just going to have that one conversion, whether it's a t-shirt or a jet ski, but your ROAS is going to be very different. So you know that you can actually spend up to maybe like a $700 CPA for a jet ski, but you can only spend a $7 CPA for a t-shirt. Um, so that's why you really want to uh, make sure that you've got that ROAS uh, metric working so that you can really see exactly what your return on investment is for that ad campaign or uh, ad set interest. Yeah, I like that. It definitely, um, you know, if you don't know that number, then it's almost impossible to realize kind of how much you should spend and that sort of thing. And you mentioned before though, so one spending about 1.5 times the purchase price. Oh, what was that number exactly? I wanted to make sure we caught that as well. 
um, the purchase price for. So you said the ad, in. yeah, the ad spend. So you had a um, one and a half times. Like, how much should you be spending? Let's say you sell a hundred dollar product. Like, where should you be targeting that acquisition cost to? Yeah. So for a hundred dollars, your CPA, like, you want to minus your. So essentially, for a e-commerce store, you want to have over like sixty. 60% margin at least. And so you want to be at a 1.5 ROAS yep. for okay. the uh, for that ad before you start scaling it. At a one ROAS, you're probably losing money on that because it's it's uh, the ROAS metric is, is your exact ad spend within Facebook uh, in comparison to your exact revenue recorded. So it doesn't take into account any of your COGS, your wages or any of your expenses. Yeah. So at, at one, you're basically at one, you're basically losing money at that point. So it needs to be something to bake in costs, you know, all your costs basically at that point. Yeah. So obviously, unless you're like, you know, an e-commerce product and you have no employees, then one would be a break even. Well, I guess, I guess if you're selling digital products, right. If you're, if it's just you and you're selling uh ebooks, one would be, you know, straight break even at that point. Right. Minus kind of some hosting costs. But yeah, the other thing is, uh, you know, when you're thinking about when to stop a test, um, you want to usually do that at two times what your CPA target is. So if you are selling T-shirts for, you know, $25 and your CPA target is maybe 10 you might want to stop your test at $20 and assess whether or not you want to keep running it or not. So, you know, the positive indicators would be you've got some conversions, you've got a positive ROI. In the middle would be like you're kind of break even. You're between that one to one point five, and you're like, okay, this is on the fence. It could go either way. And then anything under one, you're like, okay, this test is no longer worth it. So you want to try and do like test for at least two times what your CPA target is. Gotcha. Okay. And the other thing I wanted to kind of dig into a little bit is when you mentioned scaling up the ad budget, um, either going up twenty percent per week or duplicating the campaign and taxing that. Why is that? Like why, and I've definitely heard this one a lot. Why is it that Facebook doesn't want you to take a campaign and just start 10 xing it every couple of days? Um, what do they see negatively there? And what's the, like, what's the negative impact on you as an advertiser? Yeah. So essentially Facebook is a platform of rhythm um, and consistency. So they want to be able to predict and be consistent with your ad spend and your campaign so that they can kind of like factor in you know, how much ad space you're going to need or which places you're going to have to serve your ads in that sort of thing. So essentially you want to try and not make too many edits because as before, one that pushes it back into that learning stage. And so instead of going back into that learning stage, uh, every single time you want to increase your budget, um, you then just 10 exit to avoid that. And then under that 20% um, is said to not affect that learning stage. So you can either do up to that 20% once a week and it shouldn't affect your ads too much. Or if you want to scale fast, you kind of need to do that 10 X approach. But if you just double it every week, you're just going to set it back into that learning stage. Every single time you'll never get out of that learning stage. Okay. So you don't want to, you basically don't want to go crazy and just, you know, jack up the budget all of a sudden, but at the same time, you don't want to be doing small increments because you're going to be bumping it back each time. Yeah. And the reason that you do the, the 10 X is so that, when you start, you're essentially telling Facebook like, hey, I want to spend a lot of money. 
and they kind of um, obviously speed up that learning process a lot more because if you're spending more, you're probably going to hit those conversion metrics faster. So, uh, you know, they're going to give you much more ad placements and you're going to give more data back to that pixel so it can optimize faster. Whereas if you're doing it gradually, it's a much slower process. Yeah, so those, when you said, uh, what was it, 10 conversions a, a week sort of thing? You know, that, uh, 10 conversions a day. A day, And then 50, okay. 50 a week. 10 a day, 50 a week. If you're spending $5 a day, it's going to take you maybe never, you know, maybe weeks to get there. But if you're spending 5000 a day, you, you might get there in hours sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but of course, you don't want to just like scale up to 5000 a day a day without seeing any positive uh, ROI. So that's why you want to test on those lower budgets. And then once you find something that works, scale that one. Okay. So now let's say when you are scaling it, when do you know to cut back, when to stop? When when does, does an ad burn out? Like what's the actual like life cycle here of, should you just be going until you see a negative um, return on ad spend? Or like, what should you, what should you do and when should you stop basically? Yeah, so this is dependent on the, the product and the campaign obviously. Um, but usually, you know, I try and introduce new ads maybe like once a month, depending on how aggressive the ad spend is, but you want to sort of be constantly introducing ads. And the best time to introduce new ads is when you've just duplicated it and you're starting it fresh again. Cause again, if you add in ads to an existing campaign, unfortunately it just pushes it back in that learning stage again. Um, so the best time to add in new ads is when you're duplicating something and then, uh, adding, adding it in then. Or you just pick one day of the week where you want to make all of your massive edits and just get them all done on that one day. You have like one day, the the following day probably will have average results, but at least you'll get everything through that learning stage all in one hit. Okay. So you're trying to, so you're saying, let's say it's either the first of the month or every Monday, duplicate your, either duplicate your campaigns or just make all the changes all at once and just basically pause the existing campaigns and start fresh at that point. And then take all your learnings for the past week, the past month, pick your top performers, and then start fresh with new ads at that point. Yeah, but you only, remember, you only want to start fresh with new ads when your current ads aren't performing very well. So if your current ads or campaigns are performing really well, don't restart them. Just choose that one day of, of that week that you're going to introduce all your new ads. Oh, um, keep don't current, Keep the current ones yeah. running. Yeah, but don't just like introduce new ads on a Wednesday, then some more on a Thursday, then some more on a Saturday, for example, because you're just setting yourself back to zero every time you do that. You just want to have all your ads ready, dump all these like three new ones into a campaign all at once on the one day, as opposed to introducing a new ad on like Monday, Thursday, and Saturday. Okay, so you'd add them into, would you add them to an existing campaign or would you duplicate and start? A new campaign at that point yeah so if the campaign's doing well remember if you're above that 1.5 ROAS, add it to that campaign if the campaign's under that 1.5 ROAS, then you need to go back and uh, restart it with your new learnings and that's when you can add those in remember you're only restarting a campaign when the results are not doing well and you need to optimize got it okay that's very helpful actually so then when would you and at some point though if an ad starts falling below that kind of performance you would say you know, this week we're not going to continue with this ad sort of thing. Yeah. So you want to look at your ad performance over like 14, 30 day and then lifetime. Those are kind of like the three windows of time that I look at. So you can kind of see if an ad set is getting better or if it's getting worse. So on the 14 day, you might have a 
1.5 ROAS. So you're like, okay, this is a break even. But then on the 30 day, you might have a 1.2. So you're like, okay, this ad is getting better. Gotcha. But if you had a, for example, a two on the 30 day and a 1.5 on the 14, you're like, okay, this ad set's getting worse. Uh, I need so to- some directionality on the performance. Exactly. Um, the other thing you can look at is obviously in the Facebook ads dashboard, you have that little graph that you can look at and it will show you the kind of like the spikes on your optimization goal, whether it's, you know, purchases or add to carts or whatever it may be. Uh, you can kind of see the trend of going up or down. Um, and that will also give you a good indication of whether or not you need to restart a campaign with your new optimized settings. Okay. I think that's, uh, that's very helpful actually. So that kind of gives at least a idea start to finish about what people should be doing, um, you know, to get their ads at least running, optimized, growing, and then when to actually cut them. I think it's kind of a big thing that people don't, people kind of forget about in this whole process. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, just to strip it back, uh, on what you need to do is like one, start with your remarketing first. It's going to be your warmest audience. If you've got a lot of products using dynamic product ads, uh, is definitely going to be your highest row as campaign. And then two, once you start, you know, at least making some profit from Facebook ads, then you want to start with your uh, lookalike campaigns if you've got enough traffic. So you want to have, you know, at least a thousand people in a seed audience to make a good lookalike campaign. So if you've got enough people, then go in and start with your lookalikes, start with 1% and then move your way up to all the way to 10%. And then thirdly, uh, if you have more granular ads that you can create, then start using those interest targeting. So if you do, if you sell bathing suits, uh, you know, you can start off creating a bundle of interests for bathing suit brands. Um, and you can have something more specific to that. So those are kind of like the three buckets that you want to remember. It's that remarketing lookalikes and interests, keeping those separate and keeping remarketing separated from prospecting. Awesome. All right. I think that was super helpful. It definitely, um, pe people definitely love this very, uh, tactical stuff. So I think that helps folks out a lot. Um, and I appreciate you coming on today and sharing that. Yeah, no problem. Well, hopefully it's, uh, it's not kind of like too detailed just to hear over audio, but, um, yeah, if anybody has any questions, they can definitely hit me up, uh, at any time and ask, ask for follow-up clarification. Yeah. I'll definitely put all your stuff in the, um, in the show notes and just so where can people find you is kind of the best places to chat with you. Yeah. So the best place to chat with me actually is, uh, viper.io. It's, uh, yeah, it's a software company, uh, or a SaaS product that we started to create uh, viral contests and leaderboards. Um, so, you know, my media background led me to trying to find cheaper and cheaper ways to acquire leads and customers and gamification and incentivization have proven time and time again to uh, deliver on the lowest CPAs or best ROAS. Uh, so yeah, we built out a, a viral contest platform. And so, yeah, that's the best place to reach me. Uh, it's viper.io or so Twitter was Viper Growth and Facebook was also Viper Growth. Just search those and you'll, you'll find us. Um, or you can join our Facebook growth hacking group, which is Viper Growth. Very good. I'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes just so uh, <laughs> people can find all those. But that was definitely uh, super helpful and I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, anytime. Thank <laughs> you.